0: Uh, In the introduction, we have been working through the book of James starting off the top of our year. Last week, we talked about James being the brother of Jesus, and the challenge it was for James to identify himself as the servant of the Lord and not just the brother of Jesus. As we work through this text, we're now going to work on the context, or another way of putting that is the people he was speaking to. I wonder if you would turn with me to the book of James, chapter one, verse two, or verse one, and we'll go into two. But he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Well, when he says 12 tribes, he's speaking to the collective Jewish population that has been dispersed from Jerusalem. These are believers in Christ who have been living in Jerusalem, but they have been casted out and persecuted. And so he uses this catch-all term, the 12 tribes. Now, the fact of the matter is, they have been moved out of their homes because of persecution, and from what we can tell, that persecution aligns with Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, there is a king, King Herod. King Herod ends up killing James the apostle, not this James, but James and John, the sons of thunder. He kills one of the apostles, and then he puts one of the other apostles in jail, Peter. So because of the persecution of the apostles in Acts 12, Believers begin to scatter, and James, who, James, the brother of Jesus, who is a leader in the church in Jerusalem, sends out a letter to people who have been scattered everywhere, and this letter is intended to encourage their hearts. Can you imagine living your life one place all your life? but then having to be removed from your home immediately and it not be your will, but the will of someone else or something else. Many of us remember Hurricane Katrina about a decade ago, and during that time, if you remember, people were displaced because of the hurricane, and they had to move to places like Houston, and they had to move to places like Mississippi, and they had to move all over the place, and they now had to reimagine their lives in a new place with new homes around new people. Now, the challenge of that is a new place. But in this time, they were not only moving to a new place, but they were having to learn new languages. In addition to that, they were believers, and the believer was a small community. So there was no church to go to. There was no language they could connect to. They were foreigners, confused, and alone. And here, James figures he wants to give them a word to encourage their lives. Look here what James tells them. He says, greetings, greetings. And in this letter, you would presume that James would begin to talk about all the pain that they have gone through because of King Herod or maybe he'll talk about the challenge of having to reimagine where they live, or what is it like to be in a new place with a new language. But interestingly enough, the first thing that James says is, greetings, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And here, James begins to talk about trials, and he's gonna talk about trials in such a way that he is gonna give them a fresh perspective about the trial that they're in. What does that teach us, people of God? What that teaches us is James thought, the greatest thing I could teach you is perspective about your problems. And what he felt, therefore, is your problem is not your greatest problem. Your problem is the perspective of your problem. How you think about what you're in is your greatest fight today. It is not the fight. It is not the people. It is not the job. It's not the city. It's not being displaced. It is how you see above from what is in front of you. And James said, I need you to have a fresh perspective. I'm not going to bring up King Herod right now. I'm not going to bring up, I know James is dead. I know Peter has been in prison, but let's not just talk about the trial. I need to elevate your mind and get you thinking above what you're currently in. So I want you to focus on that word trial because that's, the perspective he's giving him a perspective on trials James understands that trials are essentially tests now when we talk about trials we talk about trials and tribulations we talk about problems when we say trial. I'm in a trial we talk about problems but we understand that the word trial just definitively doesn't just mean I'm having a problem. Trial at its core root means an examination. And so James here is using the word trial akin to a test. And so when we think about trials that we are in, yes, temporally I am going through a trial. But eternally I am being tested about something and i'm being tested about something about god who he is so yes on a temporal level i'm in a trial with my rent amen (laughs) i'm having a health trial i'm having some trials at work with relationships i'm having trials but On an eternal level, I I might be having a temporal trial with rent, but I'm actually being eternally tested to see if I believe God is my provider. I am in a temporal trial with my health, but I am actually being eternally tested to see do I trust God as my healer. I am in a temporal trial with these relationships and people. But I'm actually being eternally tested to see, do I really believe God is the one that cares for me? Yeah. Yeah. And so, what do we know about tests? Tests reveal what we know. And if you've ever taken a test, here's what we know. You either know it or you don't. Amen? Huh? <laughs> Have you ever sat there and be like, I don't know. I just, I'm not going to do well. You, you know it. So what is a test doing? What is a test doing? Well, um, you knew the information a week ago, but the test is asking, do you know this right now? And so what a test does is it, it asks you to recall information in the moment so that you can pass the test. Another way of putting that is knowing something and knowing it in the moment is very different. We all know God's provider, theologically. But when the bank account is different, we have to think differently about God. And so, why does the imagery of tests help us so much? Because life is confusing. Have you ever said the phrase, uh, What's going on? What is happening in my life right now? Have you ever thought in your mind, this is crazy, what's happening to me? Have you ever said that to yourself? Have you ever been in a situation that's so confounding, so confusing, so multi layered that I just can't get my mind wrapped around this thing in my life? And for the Jews in the diaspora, remember these are Jews that have come to faith in Jesus. They came to faith in Jesus, and all of a sudden they got kicked out of their home. I thought it was supposed to go better with this king. I love you, and now I got to leave my home. The Jews of the diaspora in this new place are being tested now here's the test will you concentrate all your energy on the trial that is King Herod's persecution or will you concentrate all your energy on the test of King Jesus's protection can you trust me in a new land can you trust me for a new language Can you trust that I will provide? That is what's happening to them. They are in it, and one day in 2024, you will say, what's happening to me? What is going on? And it is important that you realize that you are being tested, amen? Amen. So what does James tell us? Well, he tells us in verse two, here's, how we're going to get our minds prepared for this test. Verse two, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials, various kinds. Well, it would be a mistake to uh, conclude that he means that trials produce joy, i.e., I'm in a trial and I'm just going to have joy, you'd also be mistaken to presume that joy just comes when I'm having a trial. The key word is the first word, count. The word there, count, would mean consider, uh, reimagine, rethink, and what he's saying there is, when you are having a trial, the first thing you have to do is to reconsider, reimagine what you're going through from an eternal perspective. And it is through having a perspective on who God is and what God is doing, I therefore can have an eternal joy that transcends my temporal trial. But joy just doesn't happen. Now, many of you have quoted Psalm 30 without knowing it. You've said joy comes in the morning. And I tell you, joy does come in the morning. But joy just doesn't happen. In other words, your emotional state doesn't change because time has changed. Somebody told you time heals all wounds and you also know that's not true. Because you got wounds that are a decade old and they're just still sitting there like, hi. Hi, <laughs> you're still wounded. And there's certain names I could say right now and you just get triggered. Your eye starts twisting. all that. Why? Because time doesn't heal all wounds, but intentionality can. what, what, What do we learn? Psalm 30 is where we get that idea. Psalm 30, verse four and five says, sing praises to the Lord. O you, his saints give thanks to his holy name for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but what happens joy. Well, joy comes in the morning? Well, this is why verses are helpful in context Well, he says well you're in a trial Well, What would sing praises to the Lord and he begins by having a melody or a song in our heart to the Lord? then he says give thanks So we have a perspective of gratitude for who God is and what he's done. Then he says, consider for a second the favor of God for a lifetime and the grace that we've experienced. So through singing, through gratitude, through thinking on the character of God, then he says something else. Weeping may tarry for a night. And I'm so grateful the psalmist gives us this display of emotional complexity. Mm-hmm. Far too often, the saints are on one side or the other. We just swing low, sweet shout, I'm so sad, nothing's happening in my life. Or we're too blessed to be stressed we're like, oh no, my house is on fire, but I'm good, that's good, praise God, praise God, bless, 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 and blessing and favor and honor. And we're just either on one side or the opposite where we think we have to be always down or always up and we do not understand the complex nature of our emotions. And so I'm glad that the psalmist said, you're gonna sing, you're gonna show some gratitude, You're going to meditate on the things of God, but you're still going to weep at night. But through it all, joy comes in the morning. And so joy, therefore, is the byproduct of a deep consideration of God's character in the test, in the moment, in the night, in the trial. And so, saints, our greatest trial, our greatest challenge is not the trial itself, but it is to fight for perspective. You got to give yourself enough room to consider who God is, because if you don't, you'll be washed over by your emotions, and you'll live in your emotions, and you'll live in your anxiety, you'll live in your fear. And some of you are more driven by your emotions than you are the word of God. I've always thought it was interesting that uh, they give out Emmys and awards for people who make the music behind a movie. And when you think of different movies, there's certain sounds that kind of indicate what's happening in the movie. Now, I told the first audience, I'm, I'm a child of 1976, amen, I'm, I'm older than you. So I do not know your movies. I know my movies. But I think there's some movies we all know. Um, now, so there's some music that kind of flavor a moment. Um, y'all remember Jaws? Remember Jaws? So, the five of you that remember Jaws. Yes. Y'all remember the sound? All six of you, do you remember the sound that Jaws makes? You remember? Okay, so so in the movie, there's somebody just swimming. And they're just like, I'm at the beach. And while at the beach, they don't realize they're about to get eaten. And because we have our sound on, we realize, oh, Jaws about to get him because you hear the music. But in the moment, you just see you know the girls swimming or the guys swimming, but Jaws is about to get them. And the music kind of flavors the situation. The same thing, again, saints. Y'all remember, um, was it Friday the 13th? And uh, the sound that Jason makes? Brother just be breathing. That's just ill, like he just, he breathes, and we're like, she about to die. The people think they're going on a camping trip and they're about to die, and we don't know it. There's a little sound indicates to us, oh, oh, they're about to get it. Even if we don't see Jason, we hear the sound. If you were to turn the sound down, the movie might be different, because we wouldn't be able to anticipate what's about to happen. And I think in the same way, oftentimes, when we are in a moment, we are so overwhelmed in the moment because oftentimes our emotions work like the sound, the background sound, and so we, we hear the sound of impending doom. But in reality, it's not doom and gloom, it's just a situation where we need to trust God that life is not gonna be over, and so what we have to do is separate the moment from the music, we have to separate the situation from the sound. We have to separate our emotions from what's really happening yeah. so that we can actually see what God is doing and not just what we're feeling. Wow. Wow. Amen. And, and so and, and this is why fasting is so important, because when we fast, I, I want to encourage some of you to think about all the various ways in which you are taking in information. You are taking in information through social media. You are taking in information through friends. You are taking in information through the word of God. You are taking in information through your time with God. And sometimes you just need to clean out your palate so that you can just hear God better for yourself. Because as you go through a trial, whatever is in you will be exposed. So, so what is important? I be filled with who he is because when I'm in a trial, when I'm being tested, that's what's going to come out. And so it, it is so important, saints. We have to get ready for this year through fasting to be prepared for what's going to happen in our lives. Because look back at what verse 2 says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. He doesn't say if you'll meet trials. That means you can guarantee you, you, don't, you have no idea what will happen this year. One thing you can guarantee, you will be tested in ways you haven't been tested before. He tells us, you're gonna have a test. Do you ever have anybody, for those of you that were in school, do you ever have anybody that was just never prepared in class? There's a test today? Like, yes, brother, it's a test, (laughs) because it's a class. (laughs) Like, that's what we signed up for, that's what our parents paid for. It's a test because it's, cla- it's a class. It's a class that has tests. And he told us, he told us there would be tests and you're always unprepared. You, it's like you thought you could just walk in and not realize he, they're going to challenge you towards the things they've already said. And, 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 and what I want to acknowledge is James literally just told us, when you meet a trial, when you go through a test, we've got to be prepared for the test, and we do it by daily study of God's word, by getting to know him on a regular basis. Now, the unfortunate challenge that we have is that we don't get a syllabus of what our tests will be throughout the year. If we did, we probably wouldn't want a relationship with God. If you knew what March would be like, you'd be like, you know what, Jesus, I, I love you, but, but, the testing that we will experience will be challenging. It'll be a fight. James says, "Count it all joy, my brothers." when you meet trials. And then he says something very interesting. He says, when you meet trials of various kinds. (laughs) Various trials. Well, when he says various, no need to jump into Greek words. Various means various. (laughs) It means variety. It means switching it up. It means new, complex. My wife and I are very different. My wife likes variety. She likes to switch it up. Do different things, not me. Same old, same old. Same thing every weekend, that's what I like. My wife asked me the other night, she said there's this concert coming to King's Theater and I just can't wait and do you want to go?" I'm like, why are we doing this after 21 years? You know I don't want to go, but I will go, because I love you. That's it. I'm not going because I want to go. Okay? Wasn't anticipating that. Thank you. It's called sanctification. Um. But when my wife likes it, she's like, I like to to change it up every weekend. I like to expect the same things every single time. Because to me, life is easier when I know everything. Tests would be easy if it was the same tests every time, wouldn't it? You would ace that class. You'd be like, yeah, this is the same thing from January. Word. I already know this. But the nature of testing is variety, not to overwhelm you, but you might learn new information about God. And that means if tests are going to be various, that means they're going to be multi-layered. And you are going to say, I've never been here before. I've never seen this before. I haven't even heard this before. And variety means... The unexpected, and the unexpected tends to be the very thing that overwhelms us the most. I wonder if you've ever been overwhelmed. This time last year, I was overwhelmed and I had what we like to call a meltdown. um, If you remember last year, we had some Primark Jack sweatshirts that we sold slash gave away in the back and we had too many sweatshirts, and I thought, this is simple. I'll go to our storage facility, get all our sweatshirts, because we had too many sweatshirts, and they were were overpriced. The storage place was overpriced, so I'll just go get them, bring them back here, simple. Problem number one. Um, Our storage facility is, or was, on Long Island. Uh, how many of y'all know Long Island is a long? <laughs> uh, I personally, I, I've, I, I was born in New York. I, I, I moved back here. I had no idea Long Island has parts of Alaska in it. I mean, it is, <laughs> holy cow. Did you say two and a half hours? I didn't know y'all were built like that. So now I got this passport-like trip to Long Island. Lord, have mercy. I'm taking this trip out there. I'm in my little SUV. I pull up to the storage facility and the people are laughing at me. And I'm like, what's up? And they're like, "Um, you don't have a bunch of sweatshirts. You have a bunch of pallets with boxes of sweatshirts. So I'm like, so they won't fit in my SUV. They're like, my brother, you need a truck. And as I see all the trucks coming in, I was like, I am the only SUV pulled up to the dock. So so I'm bugged out. I'm like, okay, not only did I come here to Long Island, the country, I'm also now my expectations are totally blown because now I gotta put these boxes in my car, but I don't even have I don't even have a quarter of the sweatshirts that we had. So now I gotta drive back. Driving back, as I drive back, I have a meeting with my therapist, one-on-one. Like, hey. She says, I cannot do a meeting with someone while driving. I said, come on. Come, come on, Jesus. I, I, I'm just trying to get help. In, in, in my time of need, can can we make some parts of this simple? I said, Well, I'm. You know, I I just I'm just going. She said, I'm fortunate. I cannot. I was like, okay, okay, fine. So now I finally get home. I go to our parking garage. I get to the parking garage, whenever you're in the parking garage, you gotta give them the key. I, I get in there, I can't find the key. So now I gotta back out the parking garage, New Yorkers have a tendency to get upset when you have to make everybody back out, so now I gotta back out the parking garage and now I gotta find a parking spot. Have y'all ever been in that situation where you have to find a parking spot? That's the problem now. And I'm still wanting to have my therapist appointment because I'm having a meltdown, praise God. I find the parking spot, finally. And I get on the call. And she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh God, Long Island is another country. and I can't find my stuff. And then the sweatshirts ain't sweatshirting, and all this stuff, and I can't park. And then, ba ba uh, uh. She just calms me down. She says, it sounds like you're overwhelmed. I was like, yes. <laughs> and we talked through, and we prayed, it was very helpful. And then, uh, outside of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I have my Lord and Savior, my wife, and she comes to my rescue. I say, baby, I'm in the car. I got all these sweatshirts, and I can't find the key. My wife calmly comes. Brothers, if, if, if you struggle to find things and you're single, get married. Because... Now that's not a reason to get married, but I'm, I just want to give you one of the benefit, one of the fringe benefits of being married, that yes. I was lost, yes. and I could not find my way. And it was fascinating. My wife came to the car, and she made that key elevate like Yoda. She was just like, <laughs> out of nowhere, I'm just like, this is fascinating. She found it so easy. So then I said, well, babe, the sweatshirts, and we got it." she's like, so what, what do you have to do? She was like, I, I gotta get a truck. They're like, well, you can get a U-Haul. I was like, that's true. <laughs> she was like, yeah, you can, next week you can go get a U-Haul, and you and Leah, my daughter, y'all can just box it up and do it. I was like, that's true. She finds the key. She tells me these simple ideas. And I was amazed at how me being overwhelmed changed just from fresh perspective. Godly perspective. And it is fascinating how much anxiety, how much mental torture we go through because we fight on our own and we do not give enough room to the word, and to God's people. I'm, and I, I share this with you as a pastor, I get overwhelmed. But I believe that I get overwhelmed because I am underwhelmed in perspective. I need, I, need a, I need fresh perspective. This is why we fight for community. This is why we dig into our word because when I'm in the test, what do I believe about God? What was I telling myself? What was the story I was telling myself? It's all on me. i got to do everything. Now i got to go to Long Island. And you know, honey, this is how it always is. I, got, I always got to fight on my own. You know, there's no one ever there for me. And that story becomes the story. And then... Through Godly perspective I realized that God made a way for me He had people in my life and I was overwhelmed over parking spaces and keys and sweatshirts Not because those things separately are overwhelming, but when combined They test what I believe and what I'm telling you is there'll be times this year. They'll be combined Who is God? Who is he to you? How will he provide? It will be confounding and new, challenging. And if we are not prepared, saints, it'll cause you to be feeling desperately alone in this life. Trials are meant to move you forward, but it has been my experience that many saints It is in their trial they fall backwards. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, times of doubt are like a foot poised to go forwards or backwards in faith. This trial can indeed take you further in with God, but it can also drive you backwards into unbelief. And so lastly, what James says is, well, what... What's the test for? What does the test do? What do we get from the test? Because we all want to know our grades. And what James says is, for you know, so it's important that you know this, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, the word steadfastness here translates as endurance or patience. The ability to wait on God and know that God will be who he says he will be in a given moment. The Greek word describes the quality that enables a person to stay on his feet when facing a storm. And so when you're in a trial, we are being tested for our perspective, and can we endure? Now I say this in love to the the people of the millennial generation and of the tribe of Gen Z. (laughs) My people. You all are in a wonderful situation because of the internet. But I would say that you are challenged in ways that many generations have not been challenged. I believe that millennials and Gen Z have one of the greatest challenges towards endurance because you have the most options this world has ever seen. And y'all can just switch up. Y'all can just, if you don't like it, you ain't gotta do it no more. That wasn't the case when I was coming up. Who was I gonna marry? It was gonna be Natasha or Belinda or Wendy. I had like three options, praise God, that's it. (laughs) It was, it, hey, it wasn't no scouring, no internet. This is, I have y'all. And us. Y'all got so many options that it makes you anxious. You have so many options, it makes you compare. You're, you're, you're far too aware of what other things are happening. And because of your massive amount of awareness, it, it causes you to think. It, you, I mean, y'all are typing in grass is greener constantly. And because of the lack of the perspective of endurance, you have this perspective of newness. And literally what he says is trials actually make you wait and be patient. They deepen your commitment. To him, to people, they deepen your commitment. They deepen your love. And I think we just, in the, in the life of the believer, we just have a hard time picturing what it means to wait on the Lord while feeling pain. Because we think pain means change. Instead of pain means endure and fight through, talk through, love through. If you remember in Acts 16, uh, when we were... Uh, preaching about Paul and Silas in prison. The scripture says that Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God. The prisoners were listening to them and their feet were in the stocks and they're singing at midnight about the Lord. They're in prison. They've been beaten. And I was trying to find an image that could show them in prison going through it. This was the only image I could find, and they are having a ball right now. They're like, so you know, I'm in the stocks, so this is dope. That is wild to me. But I think that's what we think the Christian life has to be, and we don't understand a world of complexity. We have a hard time imagining joy through tears. We have a hard time imagining waiting on God while shouting his praises, but our hearts are broken. And we think it has to be all excitement or all doom and gloom. And I wanna encourage you to consider that this year you will be tested in ways you haven't imagined. And while you're in that test, here's what I want to encourage you to do wait on the Lord. Some of you are waiting on people, you're waiting on jobs, you're saying, This is my year because of some network. And I'm saying, Wait on the Lord. Wait on Him. Wait on Him. The Bible says, Psalm 27 Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. And some of you may presume that life has passed you by, that opportunities have passed you by, that things are not going the way that you thought. But I can tell you that when you anchor your life and perspective in God, he will not fail you. And he can be trusted. Finally, uh, a final story about my wife. These are all stories about my wife today. Praise God. Um, when we first got <clears throat> married, uh, I noticed an immediate difference on our perspective of time. Uh, we were supposed to be someplace at 7:30. Uh, I get ready at 7.15. Because we'll make it on time. If we have to be someplace at 7.30, at five o'clock, my wife's got got her earrings on. She's like, okay, are you, are we close? I mean, she's laying things out. I'm just like, chill, relax. Uh, We got married June 28th, 2003. I haven't been late since that very date. Oh, I'm always on time. But I'm not on time because my character changed. I'm on time because of who I'm with. And some of you feel that God right now has been slow. The reason waiting on God is tough is because he's not moving according to our timeline. And he's not moving according to our plans. But I want to encourage you that God is not slow, but he's also not fast. I tell you what he is on time. He's on time, he's not late. He's on time. He's worth waiting for. And this year, you'll be tested in ways you can't imagine. And what is the word that you want to remind yourself? Wait on the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, teach us how to wait on you. You want me to learn more about you this year in ways I could not imagine. Teach me how to wait. Teach me your character and teach me your love. God, sometimes waiting seems impossible when I see people getting the things that I've been praying for, when I see people of less character getting more honor, when my doubts are looming. But God, would you allow me to have emotional complexity so that I might weep, but also might praise, and also might give thanks, because in the end, Whatever I go through this year, I know that joy will come in the morning. We thank you. We announce that to ourselves, amen? amen. Joy will come in the morning, amen? amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 1030 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.